You don't, you don't solve anything by blaming. It, it might be, you might be 150% correct. It's their fault. But all it does when you live that is you are given free real estate of your mind to that person. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Praise the Lamb of God. As you see in your notes, uh, we're beginning a brand new series today. And it's really... It's something that I have really felt the Lord burdening in my heart over the last few weeks and months. I, I strive with everything that's in me as your pastor to hear from God. I strive with everything in me as a Christian. Oh, dismiss the kids. Sorry. Children, parents, if you would take your kids to the back, thank you. I knew I was forgetting something. Praise the Lord. Parents, take your kids to the back. If you have not checked them in, uh, please do so now. That way uh, we know who is in our uh, our children's ministry and, and different places. So please do that and uh, so we can take care of that. Okay? In, in, in all we do as a church, you've heard me say this many, many times. And that is to grow people's lives. Especially in the hour we live, ladies and gentlemen, life is not getting easier. How many have noticed that? Uh, you, know, I, you know, I've been alive for a certain amount of time. Some of you longer, some of you lesser. But the reality is we see the world is changing. And the world is, is getting seemingly more and more precarious. And I want you to look, I I believe I left it in your notes, for uh, Isaiah 51. Did I leave that in the notes? Look what the scripture says. The, the, The context behind this is God is talking to people who are trying to become righteous in themselves and people that are trying to be good enough in themselves and trying to to accomplish things in themselves. As we find out, folks, that doesn't happen. God gives us some very direct instructions here in Isaiah 51 1 look what he says those pursuing righteousness that's you and I that word righteousness means right standing with God those pursuing righteousness and then I was reading this and as I was reading it this piece jumped out at me remember the pit from which 
you were dug. How many come from a pretty deep pit? Now, I know we as, as, as Christians and pastors, we like to change all of that into acronymic fashion. You know, pit, prophet in training. Pastor in training. Preacher in training. Fill in the blank, whatever you want. But when I look at this thing, I think God tries to help us understand life is what life is and you need to remember where I brought you from and where I'm trying to get you to or you're not going to be able to live in this life that you're living today. Today's series or this series is not going to probably be one of the most encouraging or easiest series that I have ever preached. But it is going to be the most Life-changing, if you'll grab a hold of it. Look at the title of today's message, if you would. Is it on the screen, Bob? Accepting our past. Accepting our past strengthens our future. Accepting our past. Now look at me. Put your eyes off the notes. Look at me. Every one of us have a past. And some of us are trying our desperate depths to bury it. Something the Lord taught me as a very young Christian, he told me these words. He said, son, if you ever forget where you've been, you'll never get where you're going. Now, let me say it again. If you ever forget where you've been, you'll never get where you're going. The past is not something to live in. It's something to learn from. And if you forget the pit that God has drawn you out of, sometimes we become self-assured in ourselves. We become self, self-aware. Well, I'm, I'm not that bad. I, that's what I was. Folks, we are still sinners saved by grace. Now, I know that's not popular preaching today because we want people to uh, think, well, when they get saved, everything's everything's done. Everything's new. And it is. But how many had that ugly past creep up on you? Boy, I'm I'm feeling not too bad. I got half a dozen people raised their hands. I I was hoping it wasn't just, Pastor Ray, you got that ugly past? Okay, good. Okay. Dan, okay. What, What about... Dale, have you had that? Okay, good, good. Faith? Okay, good. Bill? Yeah, okay. Right, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm take a hard one here, Frank. You have that? Have you? Okay, good. Yeah. Folks, the reality, it's always creeping around. You know why? We have a liar out there that doesn't want you to remember it for good reason. He wants you to remember it to keep you bound in it. I read a study of 12 inmates who were asked, why are you here? Why are you here? And the response was very simply, I was framed. It was a mistaken identity. Well, the police had it in for me. You know, it's, it's because of profiling. It's because of, of, of race. It's because of the wrong place at the wrong time. Folks, the wrong place is always the wrong time. So what are you doing there? He said, in this study, they said not every single one of them 
convey that they themselves were guilty of something. In the insurance industry, 90% of those involved in accidents see themselves blameless. Have you ever seen that kind of thing? I mean, you got a little dent on the back bumper and the whole front end is, <laughs> was their fault. They shouldn't have stopped. I'll let you play with that because you might be one of them out there. It wasn't me. So, Pastor Ray, I won't meddle too much. Okay. Several DUI accidents. Even the drastic, the, the, the more tragic ones where somebody died. The people involved sued the bar and the distiller for the offense. Many smokers have started suing tobacco companies. There was even a high school student who sued his school when he failed physical education. Phys ed. You know why he sued? His whole premise was, the school never told me that I had to show up to pass the class. Folks, we're suing people for all kinds of... We're blaming everything and everyone. I, I love this little, this little story that I'm going to share with you. And it's called, it's called the theology of the tack. I don't know if I left this in your notes or not, but it's called the theology of the tack. And what it was, there's was a man sitting on a tack and he was in considerable amount of pain and they tried to find resolve for it. I want you to hear this, please. In the course of the predicament, a psychologist said to him, Sir, the reason you are hurting is rooted deep in childhood drama. You trauma. You need therapy. Well, a sociologist was in the study also, and he saw the hurting man, and he said, You've got a problem, and it's obviously the result of the kind of environment in which you grew up. Hurt is from an improper social climate. Well, an economist was part of the study, and he stood up and said, Money is the root of all your hurt. Let me help you with your portfolio. Well, finally, a minister. Of course, us preachers always have the right thing to say, don't we? This preacher showed up and said, Well, if you just learn to praise the Lord in all your circumstances, you won't hurt so much. Your spiritual life leaves much to be desired. Read the Bible, pray, fast a little bit more, and you'll be better. Remind me to stay away from that preacher. Finally, after the study was concluded, this little girl was walking along, and she saw the man in this aggravating pain, and she looked at him and said, Sir, why don't you get off the tack? Folks, We live in a world that we would rather be a victim. And we just think, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way I am. Now, I, I can... I'm trying to get some of these thoughts past my head really quick. Don't worry, Hensley. I'm going to take as much time as I need. Because I believe this is, this is, this is critical for the day and hour we live. Over the next few weeks, we're going to learn that the issues that bother us is more the issue of the offended than the offender. 
They're more the issue of the person sitting in your chair than they are from the person that did anything or everything. You see, what we've got to do in this world that we live especially, right here, right now, and this is my job as a pastor, folks, is to help you learn how to live through life, get through life, how you get to apply God's word in and for your life, that you can live a victorious Christian life. How many would rather live a victorious Christian life than a life of defeat? Okay? So we're going to talk about this. We're going to try to identify the problem. We're going to try to begin to deal with it. And as we have ascertained, the key to overcoming it. And the first and foremost thing that I want to look at, and it's in your notes, is we have to learn not to ignore it. It's not going to go away. Canoe, uh, Kinu, however you pronounce his name. I saw this on Facebook and I thought this was so incredibly valid. Look what he says. We live in a generation of emotionally weak people. Now I want you to set that in for a second. Because folks, a lot of Christians are this way now. We have this, well, you know, don't, don't stir the kettle. Why? Well, don't stand up. Why? Well, don't. Folks, I don't find Jesus not standing up. Matter of fact, he always stood up. As did the disciples. Yeah, they were all freaked out when Jesus was crucified. But when Jesus rose again, when they realized that the grave was temporary housing, not permanent residency. You know what happened? That locked upper room, that door flung open, and they never looked back. The Bible says no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back can do anything in God's kingdom. We live in a generation of emotionally weak people. And listen to this. Everything has to be watered down because it's offensive, including the truth. Well, let me be the pronouncer of good news. That ain't happening in this church. The truth is the truth because it's the only thing that can set us free. I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not. I don't know if this guy, as far as I know, he's got to be at least a conservative of some kind because he has put some pretty incredible statements like that. Who's the, uh, who's the Denzel? Den- Denzel? I mean, I don't know, you know, but that guy's put some incredible statements out there. At least they're attached to him. But look at this. Does this not describe today's world? Thank you, Bob. I want to read something. I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of mail. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of stuff. And there's some that I have actually signed up for. Greg Laurie, uh, is, is one of those emails that I, I get periodically and, and, uh, I don't want them periodically daily, a little devotional thing. And I got one just on Friday. Do you know what, do you know what Laurie and, and many people around the country are preaching on right now? The very same thing that I'm starting on today. We, we got to learn how to deal with this, this weak emotional nature that we have all developed. In his, in his uh, uh, little devotional thing, he wrote these words, what happens when you love God fully? It's not in your notes, so just listen to me. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first commandment out of Mark 12, 30. And then he goes on to expound. He said, if you really are a Christian, if you really are a Christian, and living as you ought to, there will be people who don't like you for that reason alone. It is not because you are mean or offensive. It is simply because you are a Christian. In today's society, it's better to be a Muslim than it is to be a Christian. One religion, one religion, unless, except that you are one, they'll kill you. In Christianity, you have a choice. You can be one or not be one. What's the consequences if I don't? Hell. But the, if you do, it's heaven. I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, you got, you know, the other one just says you either believe or die. Okay? It's not because you're mean or offensive. It's simply because you're a Christian. When you show up, people don't like the fact that you're there. Anybody ever familiar with that? Don't be hurt. Understand, it's just part of the turf. Greg Laurie is writing here. Pretty interesting, isn't it? He said, if you're living for God the way he wants you to live, it's going to tick people off. And you need to know. And then he adds Luke six twenty six, which is pertinent to add, and you need to write this down. It says, woe to you when everybody speaks well of you, for so did they of the false prophets. Christian, you're not supposed to be winning a popularity contest. You're supposed to be living a life of righteousness. He goes on to say in John 15, 20, remember the word that I said to you, Jesus is speaking. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And then Lori puts this question in there. Are you willing to stand out from the crowd? See, all y'all think that that was just the way I preached. I think Laurie's doing a pretty decent job, don't you? Are you willing to stand out from the crowd? If you experience some level of persecution, it is a good indicator that you are indeed a Christian. Because here's what it comes down to. Either you will live in harmony with God and friction with people, or you will live in harmony with people and friction with God. But consider this. When you really love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will have a greater love for people. Because you will understand what we talked about last week. Their eternal destiny is at stake. One of the unique traits of a Christian It's the ability to love the unlovable. To do good to those that despitefully use you. To bless those that curse you. To love those that hate you. I want you to open your Bibles. This is not in your notes either. I want you to write it down to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. When you're there, say amen. 
I'm going to read it out of two different versions. I'm going to read it out of the Message Translation and the New International Version. The New International Version says it this way, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Don't go through the world trying to cause trouble. He said, live at peace with everyone, but said, but don't forget you're separated. You're in this world, but you're not of the world. That's what the word holy means, to be sanctified, to be consecrated, to be separated. Because it says without holiness, no one will see God. Without living a life different. The Bible says we're in the world, but we're not part of the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. Which is your reasonable act of worship. That's Romans 12. Look at this. See to it. Now, now here's what he's saying. We're reading Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see God. And then he adds, he puts in there in verse 15, he continues on. He said, see to it that nobody falls short of the grace of God. I think it's interesting. If God tells me, make sure you don't fall short of the grace of God. Okay, God, what's going to cause me to fall short? Well, he answers it, and he said, don't let a bitter root grow up in you. Don't let the things of this world bother you. Don't let the stuff that's going on torment you and cause you now to become bitter because Matthew 24 says that because the love of many will wax or because iniquity abounds in the church the love of many will wax cold and it says right there a root of bitterness grows up in you it will defile many now let me read it out of the message translation Eugene Peterson he says work at getting along with each other and with God and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for the weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden if in no time at all. And then he goes on to say, this goes to verse 16. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. He was the one that traded away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but it was too late. Tears or no tears. Folks, The world is the world. Sinners do what sinners do. But let me step out of that. The world is the world. Christians sometimes do what they're not supposed to do. And they cause offense. They cause irritation. They cause frustration. Folks, I love love everybody. I deal with the good and the bad. As your pastor, I, I weed through my wife and I were working in our house yesterday, and, and she said, Honey, go take care of those dandelions before they go to seed. Because you know what happens if dandelions go to seed? You can't 
Stop it. So I'm over there plucking out, <laughs> trying to be as gingerly as I can. So nothing goes off. Folks, that's what you got to do in this life. You don't walk on eggshells. But the reality, when some kind of lion shows up, dandy or not, God said, I'll deal with the mouth of that thing. I'll either hold it shut or I'll make sure it shuts. He can shut lion's mouths. He can also shut the mouth of lions. The conflict of offense this morning. I want to get into this and as succinctly as I can to work through it. Here's the problem that you and I get as we have bought into the societal mantra that everything is everybody else's fault. How many have gotten blamed for something because of a skin color? How many have gotten blamed for something because of a nationality? How many have gotten blamed for something? Or how many have blamed someone for those same reasons? Or fill in the blank. See, we live in a society, ladies and gentlemen. This is the societal impulse. We have been placed into the same categories, category as a computer now. And you know what that category simply says? If we were programmed wrong, we will behave wrong. So ultimately, we go back to the Garden of Eden. Guess what happened? Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And all of a sudden, Eve and Adam got together and they said, God, it's your fault. You gave her to me. (laughs) Folks, it's in the Bible, so don't get offended. Okay? Ultimately, we're blaming everybody for everything. And of course, as with the computer... It was, it must be the programmer's fault and that not of choice. Let's look at it today. We have gender identity. We have uh, uh, regular identity. We have minority identity. We have, and it's all blamed on God ultimately. It's not me. I mean, I, I used to be able to, to you know, to, to look and figure out I was a guy or a girl. Now, even though I look and I'm a guy, well, how do I know I'm not a girl? Folks, there's only two chromosomes that the doctors work with. And you know what? Even medical science is getting caught in the middle because they're saying, sorry, folks, your boy, your girl, nothing else. Remember I mentioned about that that whole truth not being compromised here? Yeah, we just kind of do that. You see, in today's society, and folks, before I go further here, we have what I call a I can't help myself defense for offense homosexuals say well i was born this way i don't have any option did you know that alcoholism now is called hereditary in some cases did you know that our system has gotten to the place where they say that child molesters need to be understood and not punished did you know that in our societal structure Murderers are now called maladjusted people in society. I've made a pastoral discovery. 
Most people become what they decide to become. Now that's deep. Most people become what they decide to become. Now, now don't get me wrong, please. I do understand there are real issues. Some people need real therapy. They need real counseling. Okay, there is an imbalance in the physical nature of things. I believe it's a direct result of the fall. Not God's plan. God didn't create it that way, but sin manifests itself that way. But for too many, I believe rather it has become an excuse of our societal victim mentality. We would rather have an excuse to secede than a reason to succeed. We would rather have an excuse to escape than a reason to become a victor. And what I've learned is whatever happened to the person who chose to realize I am a consequence of the choices I've made. Are we all okay out there? It's getting quiet, and I just began. Hebrews chapter 11. It's on the screen, so look at it. Look at Moses. He said, I chose to be mistreated. Think about Moses. He's living in the lap of luxury. He's living in Pharaoh's, or the, uh, 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 what was the Egyptian king called? Pharaoh? I was right. Oh, cool. He was living in Pharaoh's palace. He was the adopted son. You know, found him in a basket. See, Moses was the first basket case, folks. So you, you and I can't grab that. Okay, they found him in a basket. And you know what the, the word Moses means? Drawn out of the reeds. Drawn out of the basket. So you think you've been drawn out of something. Remember the pit that God drew you out of? He said, I'd rather be mistreated with God's people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Joshua chapter 24, look what it says here. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. See, the Bible says that we have to live a holy life. That word holy, once again, means a sanctified, a set-apart life. It doesn't mean you're going to be the, the epitome of perfection. It means that the decisions you make in life are going to do its best to try to please the Lord. Before you jump out of the boat, you're going to realize two people walked on water. Lord, is it water walking time? If serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, he said, okay, make a choice. Make a choice. Who are you going to serve? As for me and my house, we're serving God. We have this thing. It's called a choice. And choice has a title. It's called life. We have a choice in life. And human choice is a powerful Factor And everything about your life and mine will either be the result or the consequence of the choices we made. I read the stuff on abortion. They say, you guys call it a choice. I call it a convenience for your consequence. Make a choice not to do that. 
Yeah, that's why the Bible says, you know, we're not supposed to sleep together before we're married. And if you're here and you're not married, I got time after church. Actually, we don't. We have to wait until Monday because you got to get a marriage license. If you're living together, I love you, but you're going to hell. Folks, I didn't write it, but I got to preach it. It's the truth. God says you can't live together until you're married. Well, we're just trying things out. God, we're just trying it out. Really? You think I was just trying the cross out? I'll let some of that sink in. Like I said, this is not going to be one of the most pleasant series that I've ever preached. Human choice is a powerful, powerful factor. We have to make the choice to do right or wrong. And I I have people ask me all the time, how can a Christian choose to do wrong? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is wicked above everything. You think it's because you got a wicked heart? Oh, yes, God gave you, made you a new creation. God gave you a heart of flesh. He said, it's a new heart, just like I gave Adam and Eve in the garden. But they made the wrong decisions, even though they didn't have the world to blame. But they still had to blame something. So they blame God. Do we think we're going to do it any different? See, decisions, ladies and gentlemen, have to be made if we're going to overcome what people do to us or what we do to others. The Bible says... That Jacob made a decision in Genesis 28, 20. The Bible, it says that Jacob vowed a vow. In Daniel 1, 8, Daniel purposed in his heart to do right. In Luke 9, 51, the Bible says Jesus set his face like flint to go to Israel, even though everybody tried to talk him out of it. Over in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, the Bible says Paul decided to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody and their brother is going to be trying to pull you out of this thing called Christianity. But you have to make a decision. Say, Sorry, guys, you're going that way. That's not on my map. I've got a narrow gate that I'm walking through. Yeah, but this other way is, you know, it's so much pleasurable. Moses chose to suffer affliction than the pleasures of sin for a season. Accepting that you and I are responsible for our lives is the most crucial aspect of overcoming offense. How do we deal with it? We accept that this is part of life. This is what I have. It is not that the one offending should not have done the offending. But the reality is you and I have to come to the place to where we deal with the offense. It's not our parents' fault because of where you're raised. It's not somebody's fault because of where you were, you were born. It is your, law, your fault and my fault if we choose to live a wrong life. That's what canoe, canoe. 
Kanu, whatever his name is. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. We're weak emotionally today. God, I don't want, I don't want it to be my fault. Who are we going to blame? Who are we going to blame? The last time I did stupid, I looked in the mirror and it was me. That loudest amen was my wife. You see, making a mistake and repenting hurts God less than the, the denying of the mistake and excusing our actions. We must choose if we're going to win or lose. But sadly, most aren't looking for solutions. They're looking for exclusions. Even in the church. Well, I'm not as bad as this guy. I'm not as bad as that gal. Since when has the standard been to measure one against the other? Folks, we're measuring against Calvary. That's what we're measuring against. And people are going to do what people do. I've made a statement for many, many years. Many things in life are bothersome, but why do they only bother some? Why? I got to choose what I allow to bother me. And folks, can I tell you, I fail miserably at times. People say something, and I got to sit back and say, Well, do I say something? Come on, dude, them fighting words. Or do I just say, praise the Lord, and move on? No, I'm not talking about becoming a carpet or a rug. Yes. If they're saying, we, we, we were at the hospital praying for some of the other day. And I didn't hear it because, you know, I wear hearing aids. And I don't know if they're a blessing or a cursing, but whatever they are. And I didn't hear it. And my, my, we were praying for the person in the bed. And, and apparently there was somebody in another bed across the way and a, behind a curtain. And, you know, as I was leaving the room, uh, uh, somebody, uh, well, you said, my wife was with me. My wife said, uh, she said, did you hear that person over there when we left the room? No, I, or when we were praying for, for the person. And we, we started to pray, and apparently the person across the curtain said, Oh, brother, give me a break. It's probably God that I didn't hear it. Because I would have went across the curtain. And I would have talked to the person. Not because I'm being malicious, but that person is lost. And they need somebody that will go in there and just talk to them. In the world we live, most aren't looking for solutions. They're looking for exclusions. Look at the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13. The people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if you confess them, you'll receive mercy. Okay, let me get real personal and talk about forgiveness. Do you know if you harbor unforgiveness, you're harboring sin? Wear steel shoes next week. Steel toes. If you will not forgive, 
you are not forgiven. Let me put it simple. You're not going to heaven. Is that simple enough? Well, you don't understand what they did. Folks, have you looked at Calvary and what they did? How can I compare what anybody has done to what happened there? Well, you, you just don't. Fine. You want to conceal a sin? Deal with it. But if you want God's mercy, confess it. In your notes, in your notes, and we're going to get back into this next week. I'm going to, I'm going to conclude here. I may go a little bit further, but I want you to look at this little illustration that I wrote for you. It simply says, blame never affirms. It assaults. It's all it ever does. You don't, you don't solve anything by blaming. It, it might be, you might be 150% correct. It's their fault. But all it does when you live that is you are given free real estate of your mind to that person. Because they're living in your thoughts. They have no idea. But they are living in your mind day in and day out. I learned a long time ago, folks, when you forgive, you set prisoners free. Only to realize the prisoner was you. Come on, give him praise, church. Blame never restores, it wounds. It never solves. It complicates. Because now you've brought other people into the blame game. Then pretty soon, God gets a hold of that person. And they come to you and they ask for forgiveness. Now you've got a dozen or more people. You've got to go and right the wrong that you planted in them about the other person. Am I making any sense today? Blame never unites. It separates. It never smiles. It frowns. It never forgives. It rejects. It never forgets, but chooses to always remember. Never builds. Always destroys. Not until we stop all the blame. Well, we start living a life of health and happiness again. A little way I like to put it, we have to admit it, quit it, and then let God's grace help us forget it. Somebody say amen this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Is that Greek? What is it? 
Okianu? Oh, that's the guy, right? I love that guy back there. He even gives me speech lessons. Kianu. What time is it? Do I have a little bit more time? Okay. How many give me five minutes? Yeah. You fall for that every time. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. I got all the time I need, right? Next week, I, I, I do want to continue, and I, I do want, we're going to talk about this for a little while, because ladies and gentlemen, we live in this hour. We live here. We live here. What I want you to do when you leave this place today, when you leave this place today, I want you, I, I don't care if it's when you get in your car, I don't care if it's when you get home, I, I want you, I want you and all, you and I, to become David today. Now I'm serious as a heart attack as the worship team comes, would you? I want you to become David. Nathan, the prophet, came to David. And he said, David, he told him a whole story about this fella who had one little sheep one little ewe lamb and this mighty tyrant that had everything. And he told David the story. And you can find it in Psalm 51. And he told him the story, laid it all out. And he said, you know, this guy that had everything, he decided he wanted that little ewe lamb. So he killed the owner of the lamb and took the lamb for himself. And Nathan asked him, King, what do we do about that? And David said, that man needs to be dealt with. That man needs to be killed himself. That man needs to be. And Nathan stood there at potential cost of his life. And he said, oh, King, you are that man. And then he opened the whole story about Uriah, the Hittite, and Bathsheba. He said, King, you could have had anything. Won't you listen to me, Christian? Listen to me, please. All you had to do was ask God. God would have dealt with your enemies. God would have dealt with your problems. God would have caused you to be victorious, but you chose to take it on yourself. Now you're bitter, you're angry, you're resentful. You know what the Bible calls those things? Murder. Hate is the same thing. Holding all this stuff. Who's it really killing? When's the last time you were happy thinking about something? Because your mind is inundated with all that garbage. Nathan looked at Dan, David and said, You're the man, O king. Why didn't you just ask me? I would have dealt with it. The prophet told David about the situation. And you know what David did? 
Oh, he could have called his soldiers off with his head. He could have had them drawn and quartered. He could have killed them. He could have done anything at a heartbeat. But you know what David did? He fell on his face. He fell on his face. And he said, I am the man. I have done wrong. Listen to this. Not before man. Before you, God, and you only have I sinned. Are you hearing me this morning? Now you might say, well, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't go steal something from somebody. What are you doing different when you harbor unforgiveness? What are you doing different when you allow bitterness to well up inside of you? The Bible calls it the sin of Esau. He traded his godly blessing of eternity for a morsel's moment. Oh, it might get us some satisfaction when we're telling her, well, they did this and they did that and they did the other thing. But we forget God's listening. And God said, what about what you've done? Haven't I forgiven all of that? Ladies and gentlemen, we live in an ugly world. And reading my Bible, it isn't going to get better. Uh, folks, I know, and I, I've got to be so cautious. You know something? You all can say anything you want to say, and it's okay. If I say it, and I say it wrong, you leave the church. How come I can't say what I'm thinking? You probably wouldn't want me to. But why is it? Well, you're a pastor. You're supposed to control your mouth. You're a Christian. You're supposed to control your mouth. Amen. Why? So I've always, I always kind of walk up here sometimes. You know, I'm walking around on eggshells. Can I say that, Heather? Can I do this? Can, what do you think, Gloria? Anthony, can I get away? You know, well, you know, they're all on my side. What about you? Can I just say anything I want to? Okay, 15 of you said amen. So, but anyway. The reality. The world is not getting better. The world is not getting better. And according to my Bible, it's going to increase on getting worse. And you know who is going to be the one that's going to pay the worst price? The one that got the closest to heaven always falls the furthest. When we allow what they do to affect what he's done. Am I making any sense? This song that we're going to sing basically takes the whole gamut of life. What key is it in? What key, then, are you playing? No, I want to do the other one. Yeah. Thank you. You can do that one at the end after that. Is this in C? Is it in D? It's in A? Why would you change it to A? But that's okay. It talks about the whole gamut of life. This was a song that was sang at Ruth 
Graham Bell's funeral. Or the guy that wrote it. I can't think of his name right now. But it's what will get you through your life. In the morning, when you're all alone, and even at the end. If you will keep this perspective, the stuff that I'll be preaching over the next few days will never make a difference because you'll realize there's more to life than living and dying. There's more to life than the pleasures of sin for a season. I have to set myself apart. And when they do what they did, or they do, I have to remember, he did what he did. And what Jesus did always outweighs what they do. You believe that today? In the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning when I rise I need one thing I need Jesus give me Jesus give me stepping around this whole sermon all morning because you're saying like David I'm the man I'm the woman I'm right there if that's you and you say pastor I don't want to be there anymore I've, I've, I've had unforgiveness I've had resentment I've had bitterness I'm holding animosity I can't even think of the person because I can't deal with it if that's you it might have been a person it might be a situation it might be a circumstance whatever it is it's time it's time to deal with it and I want you to get out of your chair right now I don't want you to kneel to this altar I want you to come here because I want to lay hands on you I want you quickly I'm not going to tarry long on this quickly get out of your chair come to this altar I want to pray for you. I want to pray personally for you. God wants to help. But He can't do it without you. So I don't want anybody kneeling down. I want you standing up here at this altar. Now there's a whole lot more than are walking up here. This is an opportunity for you to be set free. But you can't do it without Jesus. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I take it to God. And I say, God... Here I am again. You know where I've been? And you know where I'm going. Here I am. If there's something in me, forgive me. Show me. Help me. Heal me. If there's something in them, help me. Heal me. 
deliver me. Because folks, God can't do what God wants to do if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And that is to live a life of holiness, a life separated. We can't let this junk bother us. Or the devil will keep us in a prison called bitterness. He'll throw away the key. Because reality, Jesus gave you the key. But you gave it to him. I need some of our worship team. Or, yeah, I don't want you guys singing. I want you to get up here real quick. and Pray for these people. Just release your wires. I need our leadership, some of those folks, to get out here and pray for people. We got some oil up here. You can anoint people. Folks, this is serious business, according to God's Word. You know, we love, we love the Lord's Prayer. But we think the Lord's Prayer ends with thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's not where it ends. You know what it ends? It ends where He says, you got to forgive. you got to forgive. you got to forgive. you got to let go. That's where it ends. We're going to pray for these folks and I want you to stretch your hands forward and if it's still you get out of your chair come find a place at this altar Father I thank you Lord in Jesus name God thank you God for your grace God for your healing God the victory that only you can give because God is what, what I'm talking about and what your word is talking about is not easy God, we have these emotions, these feelings. We've got these things in our lives, God. God, that we're dealing with, we're trying to get through. But God, so many of us are trying to do it without you. God, like you told David, all you had to do was ask, why'd you go out and do all of this? But God, help us to be like David. God, look in the mirror and say, God, it was us. We're we're the ones ultimately guilty because it doesn't matter what they did. God, it matters what you have done. And God, I thank you, Lord, that it's not by might or power, God, but it's by your spirit. And God, you're the only one that can bring ultimate healing. You're the only one that can bring ultimate deliverance. You're the only one that can bring ultimate peace. God, we've got all kinds of situations that we can rightly say, well, they were wrong. They're the ones that did it. But God, we have to look past that. God, it's not easy, but we have to look past it. God, we have to look back to the cross. God, you remind us to remember the pit that you drew us out of. God, some people are still living in that pit. And that's why they do some of the things they do. Help us, God, not to be angry, but to be empathetic. Have compassion on them. Lost, blind, deaf, dumb, lame, in need of a Savior. God, thank you, Lord. 
Now, Father, these in the altars, these in the church, God, many of us, God, we feel all alone in dealing with this. Help us to know we're not alone because you're with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You lead us beside still waters. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And God, you walk with me all the days of my life. And one day I'll dwell in your house forever. God, that begins today. That begins today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can go back to your seats. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. The first verse of that song says, Lord, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. The second verse talks about how we feel many times throughout the day and throughout our lives. And I wonder, Bob, if you would put the words up there. And when I am alone, oh, Lord, when I am alone Lord there's many times that I feel all alone but it's there that I need to look in the mirror and say God give me Jesus give me Jesus come on lift your voice would you church give me Jesus always good to be in God's house. Good. How many learned something today? Did you learn something? I beg of you. I beg of you. Walk away. Say, God, I got to own this thing. I've got to own this thing. Can you put the sermon title back up on the screen, Bob? I've got to own this thing. I can't do anything about what they did can't do anything about it but I can do something about what I do accepting our past strengthens our future I've been there I'm the man but they're doing all of this I was there I'm the man watch what God will do watch what God will do Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.